So we don't need to talk about the debt ceiling anymore. Crisis averted there. So now it's back to the bigger question about where the economy is headed. How long will inflation stick around? And for Australia, what about wage pressures as award wages push up? And what does it all mean for the RBA tomorrow? A pause or not? The same question for the Bank of Canada this week as well. And then there's oil. There's going to be less of it after OPEC Plus over the weekend. So how high will that push oil prices up? It's Monday, the 5th of June, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, shares were enthused, is the word, on Friday. Perhaps by the end of the debt ceiling saga, we had a 2.1% lift in the Dow, 1.5% for the S&P and 1% for the Nasdaq. Europe also doing well with the Eurostox 50 and the FTSE 100, both at 1.6%. So now it's all back to guessing how aggressive central banks are going to be. And bond yields are rising further. Ten-year treasuries were up 10 basis points on Friday, up to 3.69%. Of course, they were uh, more than 13 basis points higher than that a little over a week ago. In the UK, 10-year yields were up four, up seven in Germany and three in Australia on Friday, but rising another 10 since on futures now up around 3.74%. The US dollar rose 0.4% on Friday, but still down on the week. The Aussie dollar, meanwhile... Up 0.6% on Friday, up to 66.1 US cents. So 1.4% recovery last week. Will it continue today? Uh, the pound, meanwhile, fell 0.6% on Friday, a half percent fall in the euro too, and a 0.8% drop in the yen. And oil climbing back. We've got a bit to talk about with that today. Uh, another uh, 2.3% on WTI on Friday, 2.5% on Brent, up to over 76 a barrel now. That's 4.8% up in a couple of days, although it's still below where it was at the start of the week. So we no longer need to talk about the debt ceiling. So let's not talk about it uh, with Nabs Rodrigo Cotrill in Sydney. Uh, Well, I mean, we'll talk about it a bit, Rodrigo. Uh, So Joe Biden signed it on Saturday. It's all good. Uh, unless, of course, there's a big drop in private sector spending and the need for the government to boost the economy, but and they don't have that money anymore. But, you know, uh, we don't need to talk about that now. In fact, we don't need to talk about it until 2025. It's all done, done, done and dusted. Yes, money, Phil. That's all done and dusted. And um, uh, the, the main takeaways here, of course, is that, you know, we can officially say now that a, a U.S. default um, has been avoided. So that's good for markets. So you can price that out. Um, whilst at the same time, also, the concerns that maybe the, a deal would become quite a, a drag in terms of fiscal, um, a decline in fiscal spending, it's not going to be as bad yep. as, as previously thought. So overall, it's kind of been good news in that sense uh, uh, for risk markets. And as you say, it's been one of the factors why we've seen a, a very positive end to, to the week as well in the equity markets. And yet one-year Treasury bills still very elevated to sort of 5.12%. When do they come down? Yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a, the, the new or like one of the consequences of all of this is that there's a... Uh, uncertainty as to how much issuance uh, the Treasury is going to pump into the market uh, in terms of Treasury bills from here onwards. Uh, so that, that's going to be one of the focus uh, at the start of this week. Um, and the implications that it will have, as you say, on, on Treasury bill uh, rates, as well as the uh, potential to maybe cry out the market uh, in terms of how much you know supply comes into the market and how quickly it comes. So um, that that's going to be a little bit of a story that, to to follow. Uh, but overall, you know, the main takeaway there that is it's, it's all been kind of positive news for for the market. Right now, uh, non-farm payrolls on Friday. Uh, help me out with this, would you go? Because the uh, number of people employed rose three hundred and thirty. 9,000 more people working in May, which is sort of getting on for twice what was expected. 
although the unemployment rate has gone up and the number of people in the workforce hasn't increased. So I can't figure out how all of that, uh, you know, one of those numbers surely is wrong. How does all that come together? Same number of people looking for work, unemployment rate goes up, number of people working goes up. How, how does that all gel? Uh, well, uh, they, they come from two separate surveys. So um, so the, the first bit to point out is, of course, that we've seen a, a big upward surprise to, to the jobs number, which is suggesting the labor market in the U.S. remains in, in root health. Um, uh, but the, the other survey, uh, which is the household survey, is telling us that the, the employment rate has risen quite a lot from 3.4 to 3.7. Um, and one of the economists that we follow, he points out that, uh, you know, it's very rare to see a rise of this magnitude um, without having a recession. So, uh, and similarly, you know, when you look at the US hourly, average, hourly, hour, US average hourly earnings, um, uh, it printed at 0.3, which is in line with expectations, but now we're seeing a steady decline in wage growth in, in the US, which is also encouraging in terms of, trying to see a bit of a cooling of the labor market in the US. So um, so overall, from when we look at it from, from the US or rather from the Fed's perspective, um, I think, uh, and even the interpretation of the market has been that, yes, there, there is some cooling of the market. And encouragingly, we're seeing a decline in, in those uh, wages pressures, which are important from an inflation perspective. Um, and, and then the market has now become a bit more comfortable with the idea that uh, the Fed is more likely than not to, to pause in, in June. Uh, we're, of course, still waiting to see how that CPI print um, just before the FOMC meeting yeah. this week. Uh, so that 0.3%, which is the average hourly earnings uh, month on month, the rise in that. So May 2019, 0.3%. May 2018, 0.3%. May 2017, 0.2%. 2016, 0.2%. May 2015, 0.3%. So nothing unusual, nothing extraordinary about a 0.3% uh, wage increase, is there? Yeah, so, so importantly, though, when, when, you, when you think about the annualized rates, you, you get to like mm. this 4% rate, uh, which is kind of like where you want to be and where inflation which is mean it's, it's not kind of getting to that sort of inflationary level. So anything between 0.2, 0.3, you end up with, with a reading of, you know, four or maybe just under four. Um, and, and therefore, you know, from a inflationary perspective, you think, well, that's that's about right in terms of having, having inflation around uh, just close to 2%. Yeah, particularly if you've got productivity to, to, to help as well. Yes. Uh, now, speaking of wages the uh, and lack of productivity, uh, let's look at Australia. So the, the Fair Work Commission lifted award wages, uh, what, by 5.75%, is that right? That's uh, 2.4 million people on that. So that's about one in five of the workforce. So is that going to cause inflation, given that until now, you know, wage inflation was about 3.7%, which is obviously well below the inflation rate. But is, it, is this enough to, to, to cause a bit of an uptick? Well, it, the, so this is all to do about, you know, what, what was the assumption that the, the RBA had when it projected inflation to, to head down towards that 3% in 2025. Um, uh, our sense is that they, they have the idea that the average wage growth in Australia will get will top out around just just above four percent. Um, our sense is that mm. they didn't have this number as big as this one. Uh, so all else equal, this new information implies that wages growth are likely to rise a little bit more than what the RBA was thinking. And therefore, the job of getting inflation down becomes a bit harder. Um, 
And, and as you say, there's all this debate around productivity, which at the moment in Australia is, is printing negatively. So that's making the job even harder. Um, and, and overall, the conclusion here means that, um, as we've been pointing out for quite some time now, is that the RBA is not yet done and it has a little bit more work to do in terms of lifting the cash rate. No, that was certainly the response in the markets, wasn't it? And uh, yep. uh, I, I mean, it's still expected that they're not going to lift the rates tomorrow, but the expectation that they might has increased a bit. It has increased quite a bit. And um, and I think that, you know, the, when, when you look at the conditions as to why the RBA hiked in May, um, you know, some you know tightness in the labor market, concerns about wages growth, um, uh, house prices going up, weakness in the Australian dollar, uh, and you look at where we are today um, and, you know, the monthly print reading uh, in terms of inflation has gone up. Uh, this new information from the labor market in terms of wages growth is also a concern. Um, and house prices have continued to rise. So the arguments, you know, there's plenty of arguments for, for the RBA to, to, to hike uh, tomorrow. Um, whilst at the same time, we also know that uh, government law in particular has been pointing out of this idea of being a little bit patient. Uh, in terms of allowing the cumulative effect of all these hikes uh, to show in, in, in the economy. Um, but certainly, um, you know, when he spoke to um, to the Economic uh, Commission, or rather to, to Parliament, um, he did kind of raise his concerns that, uh, you know, patience is running out to some extent. So um, I think it's fair to say that tomorrow's meeting is, is fairly live. And if there's no hike uh, tomorrow, um, a July hike looks like a pretty good bet. Well, uh, the day after he's going to be talking, uh, so is Michelle Bullock, actually, at the uh, the Morgan Stanley Australia Summit at the Four Seasons in Sydney with a media Q&A session. Oh, gosh, I bet he's looking forward to that, particularly if he has just pushed up rates, uh, taking questions from the media. Because <laughs> um, uh, he's been getting a bit of a hard time, hasn't he? Uh, the Bank of Canada as well. Uh, meets this week uh, and there's a bit of uncertainty there as well as to whether they're they're going to hold or not. Yeah, similar story to, to Australia and to some extent that yeah. the, the, the data has actually been proving particularly in the labour market which is a, almost like a global theme of this resilience of labour market uh, and the stickiness of inflation. Uh, so um, the, the Bank of Canada, when it paused, it continued to suggest that, um, you know, if those inflation numbers did not decline as quickly as, as they expected, they would be forced to, to hike again. Um, but given how Canada and the US are so linked to each other, I think that the market sense is that uh, they're probably going to lean towards pausing uh, and wait to see what the Fed does and, and, and maybe look to, to hike in July if, if needed. So the market is still around 41% price for, for a hike this week. So it will certainly be interesting as to what they do because, um, you know, to some extent or in, in many ways, um, you know, dynamics in, in Canada uh, are kind of very similar to what are going, to, going on here in Australia as well. Now, China, today we get the Caging Services PMI. Now, the non-services Caging number was a bit better than the official numbers, wasn't it? So do, do we think the, the maybe the services number will, will do the same today? Um, well, the there is expectation for a small ease in terms of uh, activity from 56.4 to 55.2. So still a pretty buoyant services sector. Mm. Um, so the, the, I don't think we're going to, there's no expectations of a major surprise there. Um, I, I think the details will be important and, and also what the composite uh, comes out as well, which um, again, well, you know, whenever you look at the sort of activity in China, it's, it's good to combine the occasion as well as official PMI. 
And, and one of the conclusions there is that actually China's still doing okay and still growing and it's, it's likely to print a decent growth number in, in Q2. Uh, it's more about the nature of that, that growth, uh, which particularly for countries like Australia and the demand for commodities is that it's not being so infrastructure led and, and property led. Uh, and that's why we haven't seen sort of a significant rise in commodity prices. But there is talk, isn't there, that the Communist Party might step in. I mean, uh, has, the, has that progressed in it, particularly for the, for the property sector? Is there any signs that they will be doing that? Well, the, that's been one of the headlines from, from Friday as well, that, that China is looking to, to provide more support to, uh, to its property uh, sector. Um, but at the moment, the, all this support are, are kind of piecemeal approach. It's not like a massive sort of you know, stimulus package coming in, uh, but certainly every every you know every little bit helps. Um, so there's a lot of talk about um, reducing down payments, for instance, on North core neighbourhoods or lowering agents commissions uh, and and also relaxing restrictions in terms of purchasing guidance. Um, we also had, um, I think it was, um, I can't remember the province, but they also introduced more relaxations in terms of the ability of buying more than one house and so on. So yeah. they're trying to provide stimulus to the property sector, but certainly more is needed. Uh, and, and also there's a lot of concerns around the developers and, and the potential for defaults there as well. Well, we get uh, the trade balance for China this week as well, don't we? And, the, and inflation as well, CPI and PPI and aggregate financing all due for release this week. Let's look at oil very quickly. Can, Maybe Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman is a man of his word because uh, he's the Saudi energy minister who said a week or two ago, don't sell short on oil because there's going to be cuts to production. So don't think the price is going to keep on falling. Well, he is uh, voluntarily making a cut of a million barrels a day in the OPEC plus talks over the weekend. So maybe the rise we saw on, on Friday, uh, maybe that's going to continue, do you think? Uh, yes. So I mean, Friday, of course, that there's been the takeaway for Friday as well has been this idea that maybe the economies are more resilient. Uh, and maybe, you know, this idea that they slow down in the US is not going to be as drastic as expected um, because the Fed will be pausing and because the labor market is, is doing better than expected or, or not as badly. Um, so so that, that is one big concern around the demand side for, for oil. And the other, of course, is China and this idea that maybe more stimulus is coming. And, and now with Saudi also uh, providing further cuts to, to oil, um, it suggests that the price should be well supported as a minimum you know, support levels above 70 um, should, should be seen and the potential for for um, improvement in demand to, to lift prices in the second half of the year. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christine Lagarde talking today. She's one of many ECB speakers this week, uh, talking more hawkish talk, no doubt. Uh, and no Fed speakers because we're entering the black blackout period, aren't we, before their next meeting, which is uh, on June the 14th, which coincidentally, by the way, no need to go to, to, to town on it, but it just happens to be my birthday, June the 14th. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so to the focus is all going to be on the ECB, isn't it? Yeah, uh, given and, and the RBA and, and the Bank of Canada, those are sort mm, of the central bank focus yeah. this week. But uh, yeah, with the Fed uh, or Fed speakers not able to talk, uh, quite a lot of focus around ECB and I'm trying to get a sense really where the hawks and the doves are. Um, um, the, the moment, at the moment, the conclusion is that uh, whilst um, uh, Lagarde and others have, you know, welcomed that easing inflationary pressures, um, the takeaway there is that inflation is still way too elevated, and um, there's concerns about the stickiness of, of inflation, particularly moving or the potential to move below that five percent level, um, and therefore more more work is needed. So, so the market still kind of moving along with this idea that it's at least another two. Um, 
or at least one, potentially second uh, rate hike from the ECB over coming months. Right. We're, now, we may not have Fed speakers, but we do have some numbers, don't we, from the US? Because we get the services PMI tonight. Yes. A lot of focus there in terms of how uh, uh, strong the services side of the economy is traveling, but also the details of it, uh, particularly in terms of the labor market um, and also in terms of those price pressures. So even when you think about non-farm payrolls, the, the breakdown of non-farm payrolls, you know, the bulk of those jobs are actually coming from the services sector. So um, the details, again, of the ISM services uh, will be important, not just the headline, which is still expected to be quite uh, comfortably on expansionary mode. Okay, well, there we are, the start of a week, which is going to be an important one for the RBA. Obviously, we'll talk about that uh, ahead of the, ahead of the meeting tomorrow morning. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow morning. We'll catch you, I don't know when, Rodrigo, but sometime soon. Uh, and we look forward to it. Thanks for now. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And I can tell you, it's Ray Atchell joining me on the call tomorrow morning. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for listening. See you in the morning.